0: Welcome to the podcast, A Colored Girl Speaks. Meditations on race and other magical things. A collection of personal essays on race, culture, and politics through the prism of identity, memory, and history. An intimate and often painful commentary on race in America and the way forward. Essays are by Andrea Hunter and are narrated by Tiara Moore. So, at last, this colored girl speaks. Episode 12, Circle on the Verge of Closing.
1: Upon his second inaugural address in 2012, President Obama evoked the American history of the civil rights struggle as a sojourn made in increments and bold strokes. Much of my thoughts go to those places through which my own identity was made in relation to the Black experience, in conversation with so many others. I wanted to write about the impact of President Obama's reelection and his second inaugural address on me as a Southern Black woman and as a member of the first generation who was to be the fulfillment of a dream and my ancestors' hope, but I still struggled. My words were all jumbled as I sought to unearth all that had been deposited within me. Their memories, their stories, and my own, all tangled together. When President Obama was first elected, I felt like a pilgrim in a new land. With his reelection, it was more akin to the weariness of old women who through cloudy eyes see something come through the prism of the past. It is as if I am a part of a circle on the verge of closing, both done and undone. President Obama places his hand on the Bibles of Abraham Lincoln and Reverend Martin Luther King, stacked one upon the other. It was the traveling Bible of Reverend King. More than a relic worn with use, a symbol of the distance traveled between Lincoln and King. And them to us. I am transported to the walls of modest black homes of my mother's childhood, adorned with the likeness of Lincoln. Then, moved by the portraits of Jesus Christ and the Trinity of Social Justice, JFK, MLK, and RFK, reverently placed in the homes of so many of my own youth, my thoughts turn to when I sat with hands shaking in a South Carolina courthouse on a hot summer's day, holding an 1864 dated April 19, a state letter yellowed and brittle with age. There were the first names of my great-great-grandfather, his mother, and his siblings, followed by $1,500. Its author could not have imagined that one day His letter would be read with dark hands, the progeny of the human chattel he held with so much and so little value. I know with certainty it would be no surprise to my ancestors because I knew them in a way of knowing that happens when children keep the company of old folk. The smell of hoe cakes and boiled peanuts made by old Aunt Fanny and Aunt Babe tells me so. It was their father's boyhood I held in my hand. The spirituals of slavery days, no matter the grief and sorrow, tell me too. They always knew this day would come. When in April 1968, my mother and I stood at King's graveside. She read aloud, free at last. Thank God almighty, I'm free at last. These words echoed as loudly for me as those of King himself. The longings of slaves, destined to become forever etched in the American national memory, as a challenge to hold to the ideals laid out in the nation's most sacred documents. I remember the casket of my grandfather, the son of an emancipated North Carolina slave, draped with the American flag. His thirteen children, with hands clasped, encircled him, he and his seven sons, representing the 20th century history of war, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. Such an enduring faith in God and the belief in the possible, not only for themselves, but for this nation, as Langston Hughes wrote, I too, America. The legacy and promise of Seneca Falls, Selma, and Stonewall, that President Obama called forth in his 2012 inaugural address, and even this moment, when we have awakened to the value of black life, will not come without struggle, pain, or faith. It never has. That is the lesson of my ancestors, and the lesson of my life. We live in a political moment where despair is ascended and our divisions, long present, are laid bare, and that which makes us a nation is being mortgaged to recapture a past, an imagined paradise lost. For those who believe they can no longer endure, I want to tell them that they are not defined by this and that they can survive, and that the problems of poverty, hunger, Depression, addiction, that come from difficult times has no color. All those gone before taught me, when the night is darkest, you must have faith. Faith in the divine. Faith that we can and will overcome. Faith we will survive. Faith we will be redeemed. And faith that what is crooked shall be made straight. And faith, my friend, is an act of will, as is hope. Black folk understand the weight of despair, the need to escape from it, and the grasping for air as your lungs fill with it. But those who march to establish a white nation cannot be saved by the sacrifice of black and brown bodies. It will not bring peace or restore the economic prosperity of post-World War II America or make real the made-up worlds of Father's Knows Best. I do not know what to say to those who believe that ethno-racial nationalist populism is no threat to democracy, or to those who know better than to toy with fire, but risk all no matter, except what my elders would have said. Lord, have mercy. When I think of the patriotism of my foreparents, it was not born of manifest destiny or certified by the blood, bodies, or land of the conquered. And this tells me we will not be saved or made great if we cling to the horrors of ourselves. This land belongs to the Creator, not to us, but the nation is ours. If we are to survive, and prosper, we must believe in the living, breathing, democratic experiment that acknowledges we are imbued with inalienable rights, inherent in the humanity of each of us, and this is sacrosanct. We the people, as stated in the preamble of the Constitution, are to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. I am the great-granddaughter of those held in bondage, the posterity of those who had faith and hope, where none should have existed. They believed in a nation greater than it had yet managed to be. And because of them, I believe too.
2: Live loud as the rolling sea sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us facing the
0: This brings us to the end of this episode of A Colored Girl Speaks Meditations on Race and Other Magical Things. Your time, the listen, and your engagement are most appreciated. To connect with the essayists and a broader community of listeners, please visit the website, andreahunter.com, or connect with us on Twitter, A Colored Girl Speaks, at I Am Andrea Hunter. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Until we gather again, share your stories and meditations, and ask for those stories not yet given.